Charles Darwin wrote a book that changed science called On the Origin of Species. But how much did he know and were his ideas eventually proven to be correct? Find out how they work and what that means about our origin right now on Wonders Without Number. If you trace it back, you'll find that Erasmus Darwin plagiarized some of his ideas from ancient Greek philosophers. You know, the Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. Now, Dr. Kevin Anderson received his PhD in microbiology. He taught graduate level molecular biology and cell biology, and he's published numerous articles in technical journals. He's also the co-director of the Creation Research Society's eKinds project, a project investigating mechanisms for rapid speciation and diversification within a biblical creation model. So if you would, please join with me now as we welcome Dr. Kevin Anderson. Welcome to my, the program. My pleasure. My oh, it's pleasure. great to have you here. And tell me just a little bit about eKinds because that was sort of the next step. iDino came about a few years ago right. where you researched the soft tissue discovery that has, has sort yes. of taken the, the... The challenges, the standard geologic time scale. It does. The challenges, just how old these fossils actually are. Okay, yes. so the e-kinds. E-kinds then is an investigation into how animals diversify. Okay. How within God's creation we see the variety we see today. Uh -huh. One of the criticisms we get as biblical creationists is evolutionists say, well, you believe in evolution even more than we do. Uh. Well, it's not really true. It's mm. kind of depending on how you define evolution. And we'll talk about that in a second. But sure. it is true that we recognize that that upon the creation time, point of creation, and then subsequently when the animals disembarked from the ark, yeah. they had to undergo some pretty massive transformations to see what we have today. All okay. the variety, all the distinctness, all the different colors and such. So, so there was a lot of rapid variation and change that did occur, but we're saying it's not the kind that evolutionists would claim needs to occur. So okay. it is change, it is variety, but it's different. It's not that Darwinian molecules to man evolution. Correct, correct. It is within boundaries. It's within the created kinds. Okay. God, when he created, says reproduce after your kind. We would see this as a genetic limitation to the variety, which is just the opposite of what evolution would say to them. And to Darwin, see, there was no limitation. They can keep changing and changing and changing all that they can and all that they want. Yes. Okay, okay. Now, Charles Darwin, he originally, in well, in one of the versions of his book, and multiple <laughs> variations there. Yeah. In the closing comments, he actually added the words by the Creator that all right. of these different things right. came from, you know, a basic organism which was originally mm -hmm. created. Mm -hmm. But he later admitted, he said, I chuckled to public opinion uh, and used this pentateuchal mm -hmm. term of mm -hmm. Creator, mm -hmm. by which I really meant it just somehow appeared. Right, right. The Creator is more the universe itself. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, break this down for us. All right, well, in Darwin's writings, he mentioned, just as his grandfather had mentioned similar, yeah. that he views that all life has had a common origin. Okay. All animals and plants have descended from some one prototype. Hmm. We call this universal common descent, that we all share an ancestry at some point in time in the history of life. Okay. And all life is descended from that. So at some point in time, trees were not trees. They were hmm. something else that evolved into a tree. 
that humans were not humans. We were something else that evolved into a human. We were some kind of tree shrew that became a primate that then became a human. See? Mm. So, so this all entails what's necessary for universal common descent, as Darwin was prescribing even here in his original Origin of Species. Okay. All right, so this then is what universal common descent would look like in a very general context. That's classic yes, tree of life yes. type shape. So, right, so you can see everything interconnected, even if you redraw the tree, okay. and there's different versions of it, it still comes back to the same basic point, and that is everything is interconnected within evolutionary biology, within history. Okay. All right, so the assumption evolution applies, this is driven by speciation. Mm -hmm. A new species arises then, and that's your next step. Okay. And then from that, a new species arises, and that's your next step. Uh -huh. So they would portray this. For example, a kingdom. Let's say the kingdom of animals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Over time, you have evolution occur where now you have new phylums appearing. Okay. So the phylums are going to take on different characteristics. You know, the, the phylum that's going to include fish. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, see those fish evolve and they then take on new classes and orders and families and genuses and then eventually species. And branch out from there. Right. And so this is a standard classification scheme, but it also is intended to represent its evolutionary history. Okay. See, so we would note at the top that the three species on the on the right mm -hmm. would all share a common ancestry through the family oh. and through the order and through the class and then and ultimately through the phylum. Okay. Right. And so you see that then gives you kind of a a historical reconstruction of how it's assumed that these creatures evolved. Hmm. And we see it's driven by speciation because see the next species arrives then and so now we don't have a new species. Now we the old species now becomes a genus ah. and the old genus now becomes a family okay. and the old family now becomes an order and we keep moving upward that way and that that's kind of your classic understanding of evolutionary history of life okay all right so the way they would view it working is that you have your species, yeah. you introduce random variation, mm -hmm. and now that becomes one of the cruxes, even in the evolutionist community, they're debating how random is it. Okay. And of course, my contention would be, if it's not random, then where'd the non-randomness come from? <laughs> yep. Okay, but we'll go ahead and go with the classic that you're still gonna see in the textbooks. Okay. It's random variation. Gotcha. Okay. Survival selection is kind of your screening of what's going to survive, what's not going to survive. Are you faster? Are you stronger? That gives you an adaptation that's beneficial. Okay. Are you weaker? Are you slower? Uh, slower? Yeah, that's going to be a non-adaptation. That's making you worse. Okay. Okay. If you're not adapting very well, then eventually you run the risk you're going to become extinct ah, and you're gone. Okay. Uh -huh. But if you've now adapted, now you're doing better, you see, yeah. then that allows you then to continue to survive. And over time, you might become a new species. Hmm. And then you repeat the process. That cycle is the evolutionary yeah. cycle. And that becomes, this becomes a, a standard overview of the evolutionary process. Okay. Exactly. So then the new species undergoes more variation. And we see with survival, which is the natural selection process, mm -hmm. essentially from an evolutionary perspective, mm -hmm. you know, is it going to survive? or not and if it survives that means it's adapted and that may at some point become a new species and you go back through again and, and, and here's the thing see we see a lot of variation in the world yes. today. we yes. see some yes. adaptation yes. taking place in the world mm -hmm. but but this cycle they're trying to derive everything from Correct. one basic okay. they're trying to use this cycle to explain this uh-huh and as creations we'd say we don't deny the cycle in general terms yes but we 
challenge that it gives you this. Okay. And let me explain why. All right. First off, we have to understand what is a species? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a species is intended to represent the lowest level of biological classification. In other words, everything that's the same species should be the same. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. Now, at the time of creation, the biblical kind represented the lowest level of classification. But kind does not necessarily mean species. Kind is God's classification scheme. Species is human classification scheme. Oh. We're applying species now thousands of years after the creation. Right. See? And a lot of variation, a lot of changes occurred. So biblical kind is not necessarily any longer the lowest level of classification. Because we see some species yes. today yes. that there's very yeah. little difference yes. between two species. Yes. Okay. And some, there's a lot of difference. Ah. Yeah. See, so one of the ways that species is classically defined for animals okay. is ability to interbreed. Okay. If A and B can interbreed, they're the same species. Okay. First off, this doesn't apply to asexual reproduction. Right. Which it many doesn't organisms. always very well apply even to those making sexual reproduction. See, so it's often very difficult to distinguish, very difficult to define. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. Let, let me explain an example. Let's okay. say you got birds, and birds are a classic problem. Yes. Okay. A and B can interbreed, so by definition, they'd be the same species. Same species. Okay. B and C can interbreed, so by definition, they're the same species. Mm -hmm. So by that, then A and C should be the same species, right. except they can't interbreed. Oh. So where's the species line drawn? Huh. It actually becomes now much more philosophical than it does scientific. It's what you, what you if you're a lumper or a splitter. <laughs> okay. See, if you're a lumper, you still say they're still all the same species, just lump them all together. Yeah. If you're a splitter, you're gonna say A, B, and C are different species. Okay. Now, because of this difficulty defining species, it's not necessarily easy to even know when a new species has arisen because right. we can't even always identify an old species. But even more so, look, how what species? is this. Oh, I, if I get what you're saying. we're struggling to define living organisms alive today as different species, how do we know very clearly what species that fossil is and how it differs from a similar but slightly different fossil, you know, 20 feet away? So there, there's... Uh, there are different examples and different ideas in the scientific community when you take living organisms, you can see them, you can observe them, you can look at their colorations, at everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and, and yet, yet when it comes still, to the fossil record right, we still struggle to define species exactly we don't have color we don't know what they ate okay we can guess okay we don't know what their ecology really was we can guess yes all these are key defining points of species and we know virtually none of that and yet what we see evolutionists doing in interpreting the fossil record is they will derive a whole species lineage uh -huh. without really <laughs> understanding is this two different species or not or are these right. contemporaries i can take contemporary alligators mm -hmm. and arrange them in a sequence that looks like a beautiful evolutionary sequence okay and if all we knew about them was fossils there's a very clear possibility that's how they'd be being interpreted. See this beautiful evolutionary lineage, except they're all alive. We know they didn't evolve <laughs> into each other. They're all contemporary. Uh -huh. And that's the problem you run into, or one of the problems you run into when you're trying to determine species differences among fossils. Can you pass this to me very quickly? Yes. This is an actual dinosaur toe bone here. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're looking at this and you see this, you may find it in mm -hmm. the field. Mm -hmm. How do you know the differences? Exactly. How, how do you exactly. determine? Maybe you find another fossil very similar, but it's got a slightly different crevice here. Right. Is that Is another that species? a different species or just a variation within the same species? Okay. Exactly. And that's the problem that I would challenge that faces paleontology. Yes. And I would definitely challenge faces evolutionists when they're attempting to construct these kind of lineages out of the fossils. Okay. And I was kind here. I gave complete fossils. Usually don't even have that. Usually yes. just have bits and pieces. That you're trying to piece together. Yeah. So let's look as example. Okay, here is the skull mm -hmm. of a dog. Okay. Okay. Look okay. at that. Now, what would be the biological or the paleontological interpretation of this if all we knew was the fossils? If you just found this right. in the field, I would yeah. say, okay, well you're starting to get a progression yeah. of a yeah. more so you'd say, look, this different speciation occurring, different mm -hmm. species. And you would likely assume an evolutionary lineage, except yeah. what we know is this is the skull of the purebred bull terrier over the course of less than 50 years. Yeah. Less than 50 yeah. years yeah. of change. See how dramatically it was. See within how, a purebred. Exactly, within a purebred. See how fast that occurred. Okay. And in fact, we now understand genetically that these types of dramatic morphological changes can occur by, for example, repeating certain sequences on the DNA mm -hmm. or repeating certain codons within the DNA. Okay. So in other words, it only takes just small changes in the DNA. You can get these dramatic changes, right. but yet it's still a dog. See, uh -huh. we're not in any way being able to show how these kind of changes made the dog into something that's not a dog. Okay. But as I challenge, if all we knew about it was its fossils, mm -hmm. we would likely incorrectly interpret this so, as long right. ages of yes, small yes. evolutionary changes. Okay. So we come back to how do we define and explain the changes within the fossil record yeah. and what really constitutes speciation. Okay. Traits, a new trait does not necessarily mean a new gene. And there is, I would say, an error that evolutionists frequently make. Hmm. A new trait doesn't mean a new gene has appeared. Okay. Here we have, for example, dogs that have both the long and short hair trait. It's a mixture genetically within them, so they have medium hair. Okay. Okay. But as they breed, we get some dogs that only have the long hair trait. Yeah. Okay. Right? They haven't evolved anything new. Right. They still have what was the original. They just now have it in such a way that the phenotype has changed. Okay. And so may our, our population may at some point in time be just long-haired dogs, 
but nothing evolved. No. We see that with the peppered moths. Okay. You know, you have the black moth and the white moth. They were both there the whole time. It's uh, not a matter of the white moth became the black moth and the black moth became the white moth. They were both there. Right. It's just a change in what we see proportion of the population. Okay. So nothing has evolved. <laughs> all right. So also, let's look at the standard evolutionary view of speciation. This is how they would say it occurs. You have Mr. Potato in here with no face. Okay. And speciation occurs then by, look, he's grown some purple ears. Yeah. That's one species. Another species, he has, he has blue eyes and a nose. No ears, though. Okay. Another species, he's got a mouth and eyes and nose, but no ears. Another species, he has only eyes, but no mouth, no, you no see. Ears, so no that's ears. how they would say this is what speciation occurs. Okay. And that's why you keep moving onward. Notice, see, new traits are occurring. Those new traits, they equate to new genes. Oh. Here's how we would understand that speciation actually occurs. Yeah. You have the full Mr. Potato Head here. Okay. He's got the face, the eyes, the nose, the mustache, the mouth, the ears. Yeah. But he's diversified so that now we have a new species that he has only ears. He doesn't have the rest of it. Okay. okay? We have another species that he has the face but no ears. We have another one that he's hmm. lost everything. Hmm. And another one he only has the eyes but no mouth and no nose and no ears. Uh -huh. That's how we really see speciation occurring. It is a different species, but it's at the loss of pre-existing traits, pre-existing genetic systems that were in the original. And, and sometimes mutations, like you've got this one with uh, Correct. blue eyes. Correct. Tell us about that. Exactly. See, because then what would happen is evolution point out, yeah, but he has black ears and the original doesn't. He has blue eyes, the original doesn't. Yes. But what we find is that it's mutations that occurred that have changed the pigmentation. Okay. You have it, you're not making a new pigment gene. It was already there. You've just changed the level that's being made. Oh. Is it making more? Is it making less? And that then gives us the black ears and that gives us the blue eyes because hmm. we've changed levels of pigmentation that were already there to begin with. Okay. So we haven't in any way brought in new genetic systems. Right. All we've done is we've rearranged and eliminated previously existing genetic systems. So if this is our original created kind mm -hmm. here at the bottom, and the top represents what we see today, we've had speciation occur, but it's been at the expense of what God originally put in. Okay. So it's not that creationists deny that speciation occurs, it's just we don't agree with this model. We say that speciation does not occur this way, uh -huh. which is what evolutionists would suggest, thereby allowing you to, for the fish to become a reptile, reptile become a bird. We're saying that it goes this way, so the fish is always a fish, the bird is always a bird, but now you've introduced traits okay. from that that are actually losses of. So you've got, you start with the book, the genetic sequence, fully right. formed. Fully formed, correct. And these are just changes correct. within that. So we would, we would argue that kinds probably more or less mm -hmm. is represented by what is identified as family today. Okay, okay. Not always, but many of the time, yes. represented by family today. So certainly diversifications occurred. You've had new genuses arrive. You've had new species arrive. Mm -hmm. In fact, if we look today, we'll even see subspecies, huh. which both creationists and evolutionists would agree may potentially become a new species. Okay. But we're just not agreeing on how that's occurring. Yes. Okay, so the subspecies potentially becoming new species, 
All right, what have you done? You see, you have now had speciation occur, but it's not the type of speciation as the evolutionists envision that allows you then now to have the fish become the reptile, the reptile become the bird. Which is what you need Which for is dark, what classic you need, Darwinian right, evolution. Exactly. Okay. Exactly so, yes. So if we look at the great cats, mm -hmm. we would argue that you had the original crated kind cat. We're okay. not really sure what it looks like, yeah. okay? But the original crated kind cat, in fact, if you were to have walked on Noah's Ark, you probably wouldn't be able to identify a lot of the animals on there because hmm. they don't look like what they look like today. Mm -hmm. Because from that original crated kind that was then taken onto the Ark, since then, because they're commanded to spread out across the earth and repopulate, they, okay. they encountered a lot of different environments, a lot of different living conditions, a lot of different food sources. Okay. So you've had tremendous diversification occur, which we would identify as new species, mm -hmm. okay, because it's man-made classification, uh -huh. all right? Okay. But we're going to say, for example, the lion and the tiger are from the same original created kind. And we know that as one of the evidences, lions and tigers can interbreed. That's true. You yeah. can get the ligers. Get the liger. those, yeah. yeah. In fact, we're going to say that it's very possible even the domestic cat okay. came from the same crazy kind as the lion and the tiger. A lot of tremendous diversity, but notice one thing. Notice one thing. Yeah. Rapid evolution. Evolution even admit this can occur very rapidly. Hmm which puts a whole different spin on how they're interpreting the fossil record. I get amused where they look and they say, look at this rapid evolution, except when it comes to the fossil <laughs> record, suddenly it kicks slow. Uh -huh. They'll admit that this is two million years worth of evolution in two years. And this is, a, this is secular literature. This, this is, is secular is literature, scientific. exactly. Okay. Yeah. So here is the big difference mm -hmm. between what we're saying and what they're saying. We're saying, yes, we see the diversification that occur from the family onward, but we don't see the connection of the families to each other. Okay. We don't see the connection of the orders and the, and the phylums and the kingdoms to each other. And that's, of course, with universal common descent, they draw the connections. So we're saying, here's the creation model. You have diversification, but a dog kind has always been the dog kind. The cat kind has always been the cat kind. The cat kind wasn't something else and became a cat. Okay. The dog kind wasn't something else and became a dog. Yes. No. So that's, I would see, as the biggest single difference in interpretation. We're saying that this represents what they were created fully formed. Okay. It wasn't that some amoeba transformed and became a fish, right. which then became a reptile, which then became a cat. The major... Yes types of animals right. were the kinds, fully formed, yes. the fully kinds formed. of animals, yes. with a robust genetic sequence, Correct. with the ability, God had planned it from the exactly. beginning so that they could fill the earth, that they could adapt to different because situations. any superior design engineer would tell you that you want them to adapt to a wide variety of conditions, they have to have the programming that allows that. Okay. Very hard for humans to program things to adapt to wide varieties yeah. of circumstances and conditions, but God can do it, and He did do it. Wow. And this is where the creation orchard basically comes yes. in. Instead of a, a single thing, and, and everything branches out from this yes. single little organism, yes. Yes. what we really see is that all of the kinds of animals were created very distinct, right. and they have multiplied, filled the earth. We can genetically, with some degree of accuracy, in certain, like cats, follow it back to the family. Wow. But you can't go past that. Uh, I wonder why. Yeah, and that would be our, part of our evidence of saying that they're not interconnected. These are it. all, the cats are all cats. They're not part of a larger diversity that evolved, you know, that shares common ancestry. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, I love it because it all points us back to the Word of God. 
Thank you so much for being My here. Pleasure. Yes, My sir. pleasure. Darwin just assumed that organisms could undergo incredible change. He also guessed that speciation would take thousands, if not millions of years. But you see, genetics and observational science shows us that he was wrong on both counts. Speciation can occur very quickly, and it appears to actually be switching off genetic information, not making things more complex. But in addition, life as a whole is running down. Things are getting worse, not better. But God had a plan since the beginning to change all of that. You see, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua of Nazareth, to save us from our sins, the sin that began in the Garden of Eden. And you see, he's offered us eternal life with him. That connects Genesis directly to the gospel message. We hope that you've been encouraged and educated today, and we want to give you the tools that you need to boldly go forward and share what you've learned. Leave us questions and comments on our Facebook page and give us a call to learn more. I'm David Reeves, and until our next time, keep looking up, truly the heavens declare the glory of God.